Hey, welcome to Pathway Church Online. We're so glad that you've joined us today on Facebook or YouTube. You know, as we continue to hear the headlines of this virus crisis, my heart goes out to those that are being directly affected by it, whether it's physical health or their job or finances. And I'm praying every day for essential workers, for healthcare workers, for the leadership of our nation. And I hope that during this whole time, you're able to keep your sense of humor because quarantine has turned us all into dogs. We roam the house all day looking for food. We're told no if we get too close to strangers and we really get excited about car rides. Today, I, I want to share a, a message that God has been marinating in my mind and my heart for several weeks, actually weeks before the coronavirus broke. We're entering what's traditionally called Holy Week. And in fact, today, the Sunday before Easter, is traditionally called Palm Sunday. It's based on a scriptural narrative that is found in all four of the New Testament Gospels. When Jesus rides into Jerusalem to begin the last week of his life, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the ones that tell us about Jesus' entry into Jerusalem with great detail. But John, the writer John, focuses more on who Jesus is. The Apostle John tells it this way. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. Now, Jerusalem is, is packed with people that have come to celebrate this religious festival called Passover. News has hit the streets that, that Jesus was headed toward Jerusalem. Jesus was the most popular person at the time. And so the crowds go to where Jesus is, and they have gathered, grabbed palm branches on their way. It's a symbol during the Greco-Roman uh, culture that, that it was a symbol of triumph and, and victory. Other writers tell us that the crowd took these palm branches and they waved them or they placed them on the ground in front of Jesus as he walked. And this is what they shouted. Praise God. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Now, this appears to be a day of welcoming Jesus, a day of recognition by the people, a day of celebration for this crowd-proclaimed king. But that's not what the crowd was cheering for. The people were excited because of Jesus' miracles. The writer John tells us that many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. In our current vernacular, this was a flash mob. This was not worship. The crowd was caught up with the headline news that Jesus had raised a dead man back to life. This wasn't a welcome. This wasn't even a triumphal entry. They were there to see a show. They were there to see the wonder worker. You know, all too often, that's what we do when we come to church. I mean, we really want to see Jesus, but we only want to get something from him. 
We're not really there to worship him, to honor who he is. We want to see Jesus only because we need something from him. Friends, when will we learn that if, if you come to Jesus, I'm sorry, come to get something, you're not worshiping Jesus? Let me say that again. If you've come to get something, you're not worshiping Jesus. The crowds were there for what Jesus could do for them. And less than a week later, when Jesus didn't do anything for them, this same crowd, this very crowd who was cheering for him, later they cried out to crucify him. But the day before this happened, the day before this event, John tells us that six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the hometown of Lazarus, the man that Jesus had raised from the dead. So Jesus and his followers, his disciples, his closest, they arrived a a week before Passover. Passover was a time to celebrate what God had done for his people in Exodus 12. You can read about it, where God freed his people from slavery. Passover was when the people slaughtered a lamb and sprinkled its blood on the doorsteps, uh, the doorposts of their homes so that the angel of death would pass over the lamb's blood brought life instead of death. The same reason Jesus would be crucified on a cross so that we would have life and freedom. See, Bethany was just two miles away from Jerusalem, just over the ridge of the Mount of Olives. And we know that Jesus was on his way to the cross. All of the New Testament writers say that Jesus had decided to go to Jerusalem. So he was on his way to the cross. He told his followers that he was headed to be crucified, to be betrayed. In just a few days, he would face agony. He would face suffering. And so Jesus went to Bethany, a place of encouragement and support, a place where he had friends, John tells us, that a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Now, I'm sure Jesus is being honored because he had raised Lazarus from the dead, and that was back, just a chapter back in John 11. And in the parallel passages of Matthew 26 and Mark 14, we're told that, this, that Simon the leper is the one who is hosting the dinner in his home. Simon the leper, well, actually, ex-leper, former leper. How, how do you become an ex-leper, a former leper, in ancient times? Well, you were healed. You were cured. Which gives us why Simon would host a dinner like this. This, this was probably the most amazing dinner party in history. I mean, Simon, the former leper, probably healed by Jesus, was hosting. Lazarus, the former dead man, was at the table. Martha was in her usual place organizing and serving the meal. This same Martha who had opened her home many times to Jesus and his disciples. This same Martha who complained that her sister hadn't been helping her one time. In fact, where was her sister now? Well, Mary was doing something beautiful that no one would forget, even us today. John tells us that Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. This was one of the most expensive perfumes in that time frame. A very rare herb grown in the highlands of the eastern Himalayas. 
nard roots were crushed and distilled into this very aromatic oil that was then imported from China or Nepal or India. Usually it came in an alabaster container that had been hand-carved for this purpose. And since the harvesting and the extraction process was so tedious and the importing through caravan routes were, was so extensive, the cost of this perfume was extremely expensive. In this account, it, it, we're told that the value is estimated at a year's wage. I mean, today, put it in our currency, that's like $50,000. Today, if you go online and Google it like I did this week, you'll find that the most expensive perfume is made by Clive Christian. It's called Number One Imperial Majesty, and it goes for $12,000 an ounce. Mary's jar of perfume cost around these lines. Now, why would someone have such a very expensive perfume in their home? Well, perhaps it was a family heirloom that had been passed down over the years. Some researchers wonder that if it was a dowry that Mary had kept for her marriage. But mainly, most researchers believe that this kind of fragrant oil is used for one purpose, funerals. Because there was no embalming process during this day, fragrant oils were used to mask the stench of a decaying body when someone died. Matthew and Mark record that Mary poured this perfume on Jesus' head. But look at what John adds. He says, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, and she wiped his feet with her hair was customary to anoint the head of a guest who came to your home. But Mary's act went way beyond the usual custom of the day. No one would ever do what Mary did to Jesus. Wiping the feet of someone was, was saved for the lowest slave was their job. Whenever we see Mary in the New Testament, it's amazing to me that whenever we see her, She's always at Jesus' feet. She had three prominent times in the Gospels where she is mentioned. She's center stage. And all three of those, she's at Jesus' feet. In Luke 10, Mary is at Jesus' feet listening to his words, to his teaching. In John 11, Mary is at Jesus' feet crying out for a miracle that she, she wished a miracle could have happened. And now in John 12, Mary again is at Jesus' feet. This shows me something about true worship that you and I need to learn. True worship only happens when you spend time at Jesus' feet. Mary was fully con consumed in her worship of Jesus. Mary anointed Jesus' feet with this perfume and she wiped it with her hair. Mary didn't use a towel. She wiped Jesus' feet with her hair which meant that she had to let her hair down. And if you know anything about ancient Eastern culture, this was so taboo. A woman would not normally sit at a man's feet, but especially Jewish women would never let their hair down in public. Mary's worship moves her to violate the customs of the day. Mary was so caught up in her worship of Jesus that she didn't stop to consider what other people would think about her. Mary worshiped Jesus without hesitation, without reservation. To anoint someone's feet is one thing, but to wipe their feet 
with your hair. Mary gave up her pride. She gave up her her reputation. She was worshiping in humility. Friends, the, the more we know Jesus personally, coming into his presence will not be a normal, ordinary thing. Worship should not be something that we do in routine. The more we know him, the more personal, the, the, the more intimate, the more humbling our worship experience becomes. Ha, have you ever been overwhelmed by Jesus so much so that you've cried? I mean, have, have you ever felt Jesus in such a way that you dropped to your knees because you knew that you were in his presence. That was Mary. The presence of Jesus caused Mary's worship to be intensely personal, incredibly powerful. She didn't come to eat a meal. She didn't come to talk with other people. She gave her best in worship to Jesus. You know, many people claim to love Jesus, but they're not willing to give him their best. They claim to to worship Jesus, but never give him their best. They're not willing to give him their time, their abilities, their finances. They claim to love Jesus, but never show it by what they give. Not only did she give him Jesus, her best, Mary was willing to humble humble herself in worship. So why did Mary do this? I think it's because of what Jesus had done. I mean, Mary was there. She saw with her own eyes when Jesus raised her dead brother back to life. She believed Jesus was much more than a rabbi, much more than a prophet. She knew that the power of Jesus and the authority of Jesus could only come from God. Mary understood Jesus better than his own disciples did. And while Mary is consumed in worship, the others complain. (laughs) You know, there, there will always be people who do not understand true worship. There will always be people who will say that you are wasting your life, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your money, you're wasting the best that you can give. Friends, don't let them stop you. We need to quit worrying about what other people think. That's what I love about Mary. She didn't care about what other people were thinking. She didn't care how public this was. No one was going to get in her way. Mary was there to worship Jesus. And it was so pungent that the house was filled with the fragrance. Can you imagine the overpowering aroma filling the room of this incredibly expensive perfume? You would have smelled perfume everywhere. It was on Jesus. It was in Mary's hair. The fragrance was everywhere. That's what true worship does. It leaves an impact not only on you, but on everyone around you. True worship affects everyone around you. Mary did this extravagant act of worship that affected everyone. A a life filled with heartfelt worship of Jesus never stays private. It always spills out onto other people around. This is is the heart of Mary bursting open as she gave 
Jesus everything. There must have been stunned silence in the room. The aroma filled the air. The disciples, they they didn't understand it. But the silence didn't last. Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. What a hypocritical interruption to an expression of true worship. This beautiful fragrance of worship is contaminated by selfishness. Judas objects to this extreme act of worship, but Matthew tells us that all the other disciples joined in with the same criticism. I'm convinced the value didn't bother them as much as the expression of worship did. And you know, it's the same today. We don't love Jesus with that kind of intensity, so we don't worship Jesus with that kind of extravagance. Our love is more theoretical. So our worship is so reserved, constricted, formal, stiff, unemotional, and oftentimes sterile. How terrible it is when our worship doesn't match the worth of Jesus. Mary's heart was was full of worship. Judas's heart felt none. John gives us this side note of, of Judas's heart Verse 6, he says, not that he, Judas, cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. The writer tells us that Judas wasn't concerned about the poor. Judas thought it was a waste of resources. And so Jesus replies, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial." Jesus' response shows that he welcomes this extravagant worship. The disciples wouldn't understand until after the crucifixion. Jesus continues, as the fragrance fills the room, Jesus says, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You know, many people misinterpret what Jesus is saying here. They, they say that he's being insensitive towards those who are less fortunate. But nothing can be further from the truth. If you study the New Testament, you find that most often Jesus is hanging out with the poor and needy. While the disciples are wanting them to leave, Jesus is wanting them to come. Jesus was not being insensitive to the poor. He was not opposed to giving to the poor. He's simply stating a fact. There will always be poor to give to. In fact, I think. That Jesus is telling them, don't use your phony compassion as an excuse to criticize true worship. Nothing is stopping you from taking your money and giving it to the poor right now. Spend your money on the poor and stop criticizing Mary's worship. Jesus did not diminish the seriousness of poverty and the need for generosity. But Jesus is simply contrasting. He's saying, I have an upcoming death. And you have an everyday opportunity to serve the poor. Mary wouldn't have this opportunity to worship, to anoint Jesus every day. And so she had to do it when the opportunity was at hand. We must worship Jesus whenever we have the opportunity. Jesus said, leave her alone. Her heart is is right 
She knows my worth. Mary has seen my glory. Mary has tasted my grace. Mary has glimpsed my truth. Mary's heart has been changed. And now she is giving her all, her best, to express her worship. True worship doesn't give some, making sure you have enough left. No, 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 no. True worship gives all you have and wishes that you could give more. The more you love Jesus, the more you want to give him. I guess the question is how much is too much worship for Jesus? I don't think there is such a thing. Let your worship, oh, friends, let your worship for him be extravagant. Don't worry about what everyone else thinks. Don't let anyone talk you into playing it safe in your worship of Jesus. Jesus wants our worship to be passionate, to be all-consuming. Jesus wants our worship to become an obsession in our lives. How do I know this? It's because of what Jesus says in Matthew 26 about this whole situation, about this whole event. Look at what Jesus says. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed, this act of worship, will be remembered and discussed. Mary worshiped so extravagantly that she scandalized the dinner party. And that, my friends, is worship to talk about even 2,000 years later. And just think, this kind of true worship happens in a home. Isn't that ironic? Not at a church, in a home. And here we are in our homes, you know, because of the coronavirus. And, and, it, and it says to me that we can worship Jesus anywhere, right now, in your home. We can worship Jesus. You can worship Jesus. And so here's the question. Are you only coming to see Jesus to get something from him, or are you truly worshiping him? Why are you here today? Why do you come to church? To get something from Jesus like the crowd did? Or to worship Jesus like Mary? Too many of us, friends, too many of us are like the crowd. We're trying to get something from Jesus. When will you become like Mary? I mean, when was the last time you spent time at Jesus' feet? I mean, other than today, when did you spend time with Jesus this week? When was the last time you read the Bible to know him? When was the last time you talked with him in prayer? When was the last time you stopped and paused long enough to hear Jesus speak to you? When was the last time you spent time at Jesus' feet? How about are you giving your all and your best to worship Jesus? I mean, your time, your finances, your abilities, are you giving your best? 
Some of us struggle to give Jesus an hour a week on Sundays. Some of us struggle to give Jesus 10% of our income. Are you holding back and not surrendering all to him? Is your worship of Jesus affecting those around you? Does anyone know you follow Jesus? Not because you quote scripture, but because your life is changing. My hope, oh man, my hope for the last several weeks in my prayers, my hope for you is that those around you would smell Jesus on you. I love what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2, but I love it the most out of the message paraphrase. Let me read it to you. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Because of Christ, we give off a sweet scent rising to God, which is recognized by those on the way of salvation. An aroma filled with life. Isn't it time that you and I smell like life to those around us? Let me pray for us. Jesus You are so worthy of our worship. Here we are, just a few days away from the time that we celebrate and acknowledge that you went to the cross for us. A few days away from the time that we recognize that you bore our sins, that we are the guilty ones, but you took our place and died, physically died on a cross and shed your blood for us so that we can have life. We're only a few days away from the day that we acknowledge and worship a day when you, you came back to life, you rose back to life, and through your resurrection, you allow us to know the Father. You allow us to realize that there is an eternity, an eternal life that we can experience. You allow us to know that we can have life through you. Jesus, you are so worthy of our worship. These are the things that Mary knew. What you had already done in her life, you'd already showed that you were a loving God. You already showed that you were one who had the power to raise the dead. And you did it for her brother. And through her worship of you, her extravagant act of worship, we are called, we are challenged today to worship you truly. Jesus, I ask that you would speak to us today about spending time with you, that you would speak to us today about giving our all in worship, that you would speak to us today about affecting those around us with our worship so that the aroma of life would be smelled by those around us.
Help us to know you. Help us to fall in love with you like Mary did. That's what we want. That's what we ask. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, we're praying for you daily. Uh, We've got people here at Pathway Church that are praying for you by name. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love for you to contact us, email us, to let us know prayer requests. Let us know what God is doing in your life. And we hope that you'll join us next week for Celebrate Easter online. God bless you.